Understanding CBD, brought to you by Max and Stevens Premium Hemp Extracts. Baltimore is listening. This is Talk Radio 680 WCBM. Time now for Understanding CBD, brought to you by Max and Stevens Premium Hemp Extracts. Here's Max and Steven. to Understanding CBD. Hello there, Max Sobel. Great seeing you, buddy. Stephen Wallman. Happy to be here today. We're live in the studio today, August 15th, talking about an epic American hemp road trip. Um, Why our guest has a bone to pick with CBD, it's probably not what you're thinking about, but uh, we're reminding you the lines are open today, so Mm -hmm. you can give us a call at 410-922-6680. Give us a call. Noah, the engineer, will take your question. If we can read it live, we will. If not, we sometimes have time at the end to get it. If not, we always get back to you, so it's never a waste of giving us a call. Max, tell us about your song choice this week. Man, we got a traveler as our guest this week, and uh, although he wasn't traveling by jet airliner, he definitely was traveling. I'm looking forward to hearing that. Plus, we had to get the Steve Miller Band uh, up on the uh, playlist. So for those of you who don't know... Here's a little Easter egg for you. If you go to Spotify, there's a super secret little music playlist that we have. It's Understanding CBD, and it's songs that are handpicked by Steven and I. But that's Steve Miller Band, Jet Airliner, 1977. And songs that have been picked by our guests, And too. songs, sorry. And, and songs and that have been picked And it's about almost five hours now of music. There's on, uh, 90 on the songs on there, almost, yeah, almost uh, six hours of music on there. So enjoy All right. that. There we go. i got to get up with the latest here. Uh, well, right. we're going to have some fun today, I promise you that. Our special guest took a dream hemp road trip in an RV with his wife and two kids for six weeks and survived to tell us about it. Uh, We're really excited to introduce you to him in just a minute. Um, And we also have a burning question that we want to ask Doc G about. Um, Some creative things companies are doing with CBD that uh, might be somewhat misleading. So stay here so we can talk to Doc G about that. And if you doze off for any reason or miss any part of the show, Max, they can catch it somewhere right they can catch it somewhere Where? the website is understandingcbd.com. you want to click on the link on the top that says our show and then you can catch every previous episode there you can also use any podcast service that you like and you can also catch us on youtube understanding cbd on youtube that's right youtube slash understanding cbd like us subscribe us and share it's all you can and before we get to the news max hotline that's right uh we want to mention that the show is sponsored by Max and Stevens, the premium hemp extract. Stop at maxandstevens.com. Try out their full-spectrum products. They have a CBD oil you can drop under your tongue and on your skin, safe for pets, and a new topical roll-on that you can use also. You can also give them a call at 443-743-2444. They will, we will always uh, take your call. 
Indeed. Also, a general reminder to everybody, please don't take anything said on this program as professional medical or legal advice. We are here to entertain you. We are entertainers, Stephen Wallman. Mm-hmm. And uh, speaking of entertaining, let's get to our guest today. So our guest today, his name is Eric Herlock. Eric is the host and producer of the Lancaster Farming Industrial Hemp podcast. Lancaster Farming newspaper has been the premier source for agricultural news in the mid-Atlantic region for generations. Following in that tradition, tradition, the Lancaster Farming Industrial Hemp Podcast is a resource for hemp farmers and producers, as well as industry professionals and advocates. Eric recently took the show on the road, traveling the U.S. for six weeks with his family in an RV, visiting hemp farms and businesses from Pennsylvania to Oregon, and back again in an effort to shine a light on the grain and fiber side of the industry. Eric believes that the long-term potential of the hemp plant is in the industrial applications, and that if grown at a large enough scale, can help mitigate climate change. His podcast has won several Keystone News Media Awards and was a finalist in the International News Media Association's Global Media Awards for best use of audio. Eric, other than that miraculous trip that I'm totally, Stephen and I are both really jealous of, we're honored to have you. Thank you for joining us today on Understanding CBD. Thank you, Stephen. Thank you, Max. It's great to be here. Appreciate uh, the invitation to join you today. Awesome, Uh, man. Yeah, I'm I'm sure you're excited to be here. And um, I would imagine you might still be in shock after pulling (laughs) off this, uh, this tour with your family. Yeah, I mean, we got home over a week ago, but I feel like I just got home yesterday. You know, it's still, you know, I've, I've sort of gotten used to my house not shaking. <laughs> so your kids, you have um, two kids, boys, girls? Two daughters. Two daughters. Uh, okay, wow. This. <laughs> All right. Okay, so um, I'm curious. I got a question. I have two kids, uh, one, one of each, but um, the, the question is, you know, on their trip, were they... Um, aware, uh, and how old are they? You said? Uh, 12 and 10. Oh, geez. Okay, so teenage girls. Um, almost, almost, teen- almost teenage. teenage. The, right nowadays, they grow up faster, don't they? Mm-hmm. Um, I think so. Did they recognize what an epic journey they were on, or are they too young to realize the magnitude, like how awesome this trip is? Um, I think they understood that it was pretty epic, you know. Um, they had a lot of people along the way tell them how epic it was. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, it's like, kids, you're not going to maybe understand this for years, but this is a big deal. Um, yeah, I mean, they, uh, they, I think they understand or they, yeah, they, they will. So maybe like when they started, when they started out, were they, you know, excited or were they Definitely sort of like, you know. We had places, you know, we were going to go to Dollywood in Tennessee. We were going to you know, hopefully see the redwoods in California. So we had sort of like, you know, treats lined up for them along the way. Not quite bribes, but, you know, awesome places that they knew they were going. Have you done anything um, like this before? Not with the family, no. Okay. As a young, you know, college dropout, I, uh, I did travel in an RV with my brother's band <laughs> in the capacity as a, as a roadie, but that's like 26, 27 years ago. Um, but as a family, no, we've never been like campers. We've never... You know, we like to go to the beach. We like to stay at hotels. Uh, so this was very different for our family. And um, it was great. You know, we learned a lot about each other or a lot about ourselves and a lot about how big America is and how much it has to offer. And we met so many great people along the way. So I think for like that part for my kids alone was was great. You know, everywhere we went, there was somebody who was just, was just show, showing us absolute kindness and 
yeah, it was it was a great way to see America. Well, that's awesome, man. Congratulations for pulling that off. That's um, you know quite a thing to do for for your family and kids. Yeah, I sure. think epic is the right way to describe that. Yeah, I mean, sure. Don't get me wrong; it wasn't all um, sure sunshine and roses. What At is point, right? My, my <laughs> what is Eric? Well, I want to talk about something, So, and, and we'll get into yeah, the yeah. trip, and we'll talk about all the sunshine and roses and all the non-roses, but I want to talk, so besides taking this epic trip, I mean, I, I'm learning about um, this uh, Lancaster, farm, Lancaster Farming newspaper, which seems pretty epic in, itse- in itself. It I is, mean, yes. we're talking about generations. I mean, this is known as what the, the New York Times of farming, you know, so how did you get started? How did you start this newspaper? Tell us the story there, if you wouldn't mind. Oh, well, I certainly didn't start the newspaper. It was uh, started in Lancaster in 1955. Um, and, it, you know, it was a small paper at first, and it's grown over the years. Uh, you know, we started in Lancaster, and now we, our reach is uh, up and down the East Coast. Um, I think we've got about 65 to 70,000 subscribers, um, and it's also on newsstands. And it's a big, fat newspaper. Mm-hmm. You know, like usually now when you see a newspaper, it's a flimsy little thing. But, no, this is like old-school newspaper. It's got usually four to five sections, a lot of which are classified ads and ads from equipment manufacturers. And it's like everything a farmer is looking for. Is it made out of hemp? In the Lancaster Farming. Not yet, <laughs> but we're, uh, we're um, having those conversations. I would love to see the paper printed on hemp paper. So we're not of, there yet. So at the magazine, uh, the, when you started there, when did you, um, or how did the podcast come out of that? Sure. Well, I started uh, as the digital editor um, about six and a half years ago. And, you know, I, I took care of the websites and I did social media and whatnot. And, you know, there's always discussion about reaching new audiences. And at one point, somebody talked about farmer radio. Like, could we produce a radio show? Could we produce 24 hours of radio content? And I sort of raised my hand in that meeting and like, how about a podcast? Wouldn't that be sort of more accessible? And everyone looked at me like, what, what's the podcast? <laughs> uh, so there was some education I had to do. But, right. um, I, and so I, it was a side, sort of my side job at this point, because I had other things to do for the, the websites and everything. But I started publishing. It was short, short podcast. Um, I thought originally it would be about lots of different aspects of agriculture. If you listen to my very first introduction episode, I talk all about, like, all the things. But the very first, like, episode one I started on hemp, figuring that I would talk about hemp for maybe six, eight episodes. But once I got in there, I just started talking to people, and there was always more people to talk to, more things to learn about hemp, more information I can share with, you know, with listeners. Because at that point, and even now to some extent, there's like a dearth of information for farmers about growing hemp. So I wanted to help provide you know, to, to be a resource. Right, and you started this before the Farm Bill, right? You started in early 2018, right? I, I published first, first episode uh, the end of August 2018. Okay. And the Farm Bill was, like, supposed to be signed by the end of September, but it didn't get signed until December of that year. So, you know, I had a few episodes in, and uh, that was part of the my discussions, like, hey, the Farm Bill was supposed to be signed, what next? So I was able to talk to you know, lawyers and policymakers, and it was just a lot of fun in those early days leading up to the farm bill. And then once it was signed, it was everything changed. So you get this epiphany, and you're like, I got to get in an RV. I got to convince my family to go on this epic hemp road trip with me. And somehow you convince them. And really, what was the goal of this overall road trip? My goal was to sort of connect the dots of the different sort of supply chains that are developing throughout the country on the 
fiber and grain side of it. I know you guys are CBD folks, and I love CBD, um, but I think the, the, the long-term potential of the hemp plant is in the fiber and grain, like the industrial applications. So I, I had gone on a sort of a smaller hemp tour last year, just to a few farms in Pennsylvania, and um, some listeners out west who have a, a, a hemp company, they, they're, you know, they, they like the show, but they reached out after that and wanted to sponsor our show. And they, that's a company called IND Hemp. They're from Montana. And then so in conversations with them about sponsoring the show, the president of IND Hemp, Ken Elliott, he's like, oh, we would love for some of this sponsorship money to, you know, put Eric out on the road next year, you know, do a bigger tour. And that, you know, that planted the seeds in my mind, like, okay, let's, let's do this. And I sort of put a rough itinerary plan together and I took it to my editor, fully expecting him to say, that's great, Eric, but no, that's, <laughs> that's crazy. But he was like, interesting. And he took it to the president and Pete liked it and he took it to his boss. And there's great support because we do want to reach new audience. Um, and I think all of us know that, uh, you know, we, we support farmers at Lancaster Farming. And this is, while it's not like a sexy story, it is a really important story for farmers and how I mean, in my opinion, how they're going to save the planet. So there's, I have great support from the folks at Lancaster Farming, and yeah, we made it happen. That's awesome. And we're going to hear more about this trip uh, when we come back. We do have to take a short break. But we're here talking with Eric Harlock, host and producer of the Lancaster Farming Industrial Hemp Podcast. Stay with us, and we can hear a little bit more about what's going on in hemp in the USA. Out on the road, I've been down before. Understanding CBD with Max and Stephen on Talk Radio 680 WCBM. to Understanding CBD. Hello there, Max Sobel. Hello, Stephen Wallman. We're talking with Eric Herlock, just back from his North American tour of the hemp industry. That song was Paul McCartney and Wings. Uh, that was actually um, inspired by Eric. Yeah, that's one of my favorite records for sure. So uh, thanks for playing that. We were talking about how like, you introduced that right back into our rotation. I haven't listened to that record in so long, and Stephen and I were just commenting, man, were we missing out for all these years? I mean, years? Band on the Run oh. as a child. I mean, come on. like yeah. My road trips had that you know, pretty much looping. So thank you, Eric, for, for bringing that out yeah, there. I just rediscovered it a couple years ago, and uh, it's so good. It's Appreciate like, it's it. It's like a happy reunion. <laughs> <laughs> it was really nice, so thank you for that. Um, so let's get to it. What, what's your beef with CBD, man? Man. All right, look, man, um, <laughs> it's, it's not a beef. It's, uh, 
it's I I kind of see CBD as a distraction from like the the big paradigm shifting potential of the hemp plant, right? So, but let me first say I am a CBD user. I have arthritis in my hip, and I find great relief from CBD. I think all cannabinoids are a gift from God. I think, you know, like there's, it's just a miracle that there's this plant that produces these compounds that line up so well with the human body and like what the endocannabinoidal system. Wow, you're getting you know, scientific like on us a, now, Eric. You, throwing oh, out those oh. big we don't terms. have a, like a acetaminophen system in our body, right. right? We don't have a Tylenol system. We have an endocannabinoid system. So I don't have a, a beef with CBD per se. I guess my beef is with how that industry sort of like came out and was big and made all of these promises to a whole lot of farmers who put a, a lot of risk into it and lost a lot you know here in pennsylvania um it was like you know it was probably everywhere but like the green rush and there's still guys who trying to sell their their 2019 crop of cbd you know like farmers were promised insane prices for like fifty thousand dollars an acre of of good cbd and at one point maybe that was happening but so my beef is that it's left a bad taste in the mouths of farmers um and we need farmers to be supportive of hemp because without farmers, we have no hemp industry, right? So yeah. that was sort of the point of the road trip was to shine a light on this other side of it, like the grain and the fiber, the big ag, you know, big agriculture, you know, combines and, and you know, plants, you know, big stuff. Yeah, we want to talk about that, actually, because uh, yeah. there's a lot of education that uh, you can help us uh, fill the gaps to fill with us. But before we jump off of the CBD topic, because um, it's something that Max and I have opinions on, but um, uh, because the CBD sort of popped up and, and people started growing it without buyers and, and farmers are stuck with this stuff, uh, some business uh, owners were being creative and turning the CBD into <laughs> THC and getting people high. Um, what do you think about that? Do you think that's a good thing? for the the industry uh, tell me about it uh well i understand that farmers need to make money so i'm not begrudging any farmers who are making money from the delta eight thing but that's a problem for the hemp industry you know like the hemp industry has done all of this work for years saying hemp isn't marijuana it's not going to get you high but then suddenly there's this loophole that you know through some creative chemistry you can you can now get high from hemp it's unfortunate. Um, I think it really reflects bad, bad regulations. You know, there's still a lot of work to be done uh, in federal regulations and state regulations. And yeah, I think um, Delta 8, Delta 10, Delta 16, all of those sort of synthetic THCs uh, are not good. Hmm. Yeah, we have opinions about that, too. The problem is that, you know, the industry, we're all for reasonable regulation, and what you really want to protect yourself against is against the nefarious players. So people who mislabel things, people who are, for whatever reason, taking potential customers in a direction that they don't want to go. So we completely echo that. And I hear you. The bigger message is the hemp plant. The bigger message is the cannabis plant in general and what it can do for people overall. So let's step away a bit from the from the CBD topic, and let's move can into... I, yeah. Before we move, can I add one thing about sure. CBD? Uh, so there's some research being, uh, that was done by, I think, New Frontier Data that shows that CBD users are twice as likely to buy other hemp products, whether it's food or, you know, other products, than non-CBD users. So that's awesome, you know. So True statement. That's another reason I love CBD, because it's, it's sort of, you know, evangelizing the hemp plant. 
Yeah, we need that. Indeed, I walk around with a uh, a hemp mask now. You know when I need it. Right. Yeah. I even have a favorite CBD company. Um, maybe that's. I know who it is. It's Max and Stevens. Clearly, <laughs> I mean, who else could it be? No, you, know? you could tell <laughs> us your favorite company. <laughs> no, um, you're all right. My lo- my local CBD farm is Wild Fox Provisions. Um, they make great products. Family run business. Um, really great people. So that's who I use. But I think that's the great thing about. CBD farms is that you can find a local farmer and, and who's vertically integrated. Uh, maybe this is counter to your message, but uh, I love what you guys are doing. Well, it's a plant, yeah. right? And and what we <laughs> yeah. support is the plant. We actually, you know, a lot of people, I mean, we do run a business, obviously, and we provide a product because it's hard to find a tested, validated product in the industry. They say 80% of the stuff is not what it says on the label. Um, but we advocate and we want people to be able to grow it themselves. I mean, this is a, this is nature we're talking about. Um, you know, well, obviously we're here to help, but we're not here like a lot of the other you know people are just a profit. Obviously, this is a, a movement that we want to help with. But let's let's move on now because um, I know a, a lot of times CBD does, does take a lot of the topics. But for this episode, Eric, we want to hear about um, this mission to uncover what's going on with the grain and, and educate us because um, let's talk about grain the grain industry first, if you're okay with that. Yeah, um, yeah. And just fill us in, like, what are the commercial uses for for hemp grain. All right. So just, just to make sure people understand when we say grain, we mean the seeds, right? This plant, um, certain varieties will produce lots and lots of seeds. Uh, and it's, it's a superfood, right? It's super high in protein. Uh, it's got this great uh, omega-369 profile, like, a, you know, amino acids. It's absolute superfood. Um, you can crush it for oil, so you can get hemp oil from it. And when you crush it for oil, the byproduct of that is called cake. And it's, you know, the outer shell of the, of the seed. And that can be used um, in food. That can be crushed into flour. That can be fed to animals. But then also you can um, de-hole the hemp seed, and those are the hemp hearts. Again, super high in protein, excellent um, omega profile, just absolute superfood. Now, the oil, uh, so is that to, uh, what, what's the oil use? Is that like oil for your car or oil for a salad? What's the oil use for? Uh, yeah, a, a, a culinary oil. Okay. Um, you can use it like you would olive oil. Um, uh, there's actually, um, you know, in some cultures, they, they take a lot of fish oil. Um, and I've heard that some people are now turning to hemp oil to replace fish oil because of the, you know, the toxicness of the ocean. Mm-hmm. So now, like, you can't get you know, healthy stuff from certain fish oils, but you can get that from, you know, uh, healthily grown hemp plants. Good to so know. Good. So, yeah, so um, the first stop uh, on the grain part of our tour was in Carrollton, Kentucky. We visited Victory Foods, and, yeah, they make, they're a, like a, a B2B company, so they make hemp ingredients to then sell to other companies. Um, but, they, yeah, they do hearts, they do oil, they, they make a superfood. Um, when I was in Montana a few weeks after my visit, uh, in Kentucky, some of the guys from Victory Hemp were out there and, uh, the food scientist, Ben Raymond from Victory, he said something that stuck with me. He's like, we're making food. We're not making edibles, mm-hmm. right? Cause I guess part of the conversation there was why is the grain and fiber side of the in- industry being sort of regulated like their CBD companies? You know, because they're all still required to test for THC, but there's no THC in seeds. So, 
Um, yeah, and some people anyway. may not know that is actually the varieties f- that are grown f- specifically for seed and for fiber. They're different. They're different varieties of the plants. They don't have the the richness of the CBD and cannabinoids in them. So it's it, it is a different plant, really. Yeah, I mean, it's grown different. It's harvested different, right? Right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so you know, everyone I think can sort of picture the Christmas tree shape of CBD plants. You know, they look like marijuana plants, but for grain varieties, they're sort of low and they're, they've got big seedy heads. You know, they, they grow lots of seeds. Um, the fiber varieties can get super tall. You grow them close together and you can get plants that are 20 feet high. Uh, and so, yeah, very different from, from the way CBD is, is grown. So you touched on fiber. It's a great transition because we were going to ask you about that next. So from the fiber perspective, you know, uh, talk to us about that in some of the places that you visited. And how is that different? Sure. Um, well, and then we can talk about the fiber grain dual variety. There you go. There are some varieties that do both. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, the fiber industry is super exciting to me uh, because you can make almost anything out of it. Like think of anything made out of plastic now. You could make uh, bioplastics. They call them uh, bio-based polymers. Um, you can. There's a company in Kentucky making wood out of hemp. They press hemp stalks together with some, uh, some glue, and they, they make boards out of it. Um, one of the most exciting things to me is the hemp herd, that's the, like the inner core of the hemp stalk, can be used as a building material. You mix it with lime and water, and it becomes this like mold-resistant, fireproof plaster almost that you can, you can make houses out of. It's got like a great R value, you know, insulation-wise, um, it's it's amazing. It looks great too. Um, and you saw you saw um, one on your road trip, didn't you? A recording uh, I saw studio. Two or something? on the two on the road trip, um, but I've seen several others too in my time reporting on hemp. Uh, we stopped in Rapid City, South Dakota, where they they're working on a recording studio slash music venue that's made out of hempcrete. And that's cool. You go in there, and like when you walk into a, a room that got hemp walls it like it feels different like it feels fresher like there's something about the way the lime interacts with the hemp herd that it's like this breathable space it does something too i think with the humidity and it's just it's when you walk into a a room that's made out of hemp you you just immediately feel the difference with all of your senses Uh, so we saw that there in south dakota and then our very last stop was in western pennsylvania in the town of newcastle where there's something called the Project PA Hemp Home. And they're actually, there's a company that, that makes housing, housing for uh, disabled people. And so they're trying to figure out a way to sort of revitalize the local economy, help agriculture, and provide housing for, uh, for disabled people. And their first prototype is this home. It's, it's made out of hemp. It's hemp on the outside, hemp on the inside. It's going to have uh, hemp wood flooring. That company I mentioned in, in Kentucky uh, it's making the flooring for the house, and it, it's really amazing when you think that uh, we could be growing houses, you know, in our farm fields locally. And you know, you think of new construction now and how much, you know, petrochemicals are used for, you know, the Tyvek and all of the other sorts of things. And we import, you know, the, the drywall from who knows where. And it's new housing has a great big carbon footprint, but hempcrete housing has a much smaller, more localized, you know, it's, it's sort of better for the local community. 
So that's exciting. Yeah, new housing has a big lobby too. I think they, uh, you know, they definitely do a lot of that. Um, you know, so the the question I have is, um, you know, I've been hearing about hemp since I was a kid, and I've uh, been hearing about the destruction of the planet since I was a kid, and you know, here we are, right? Not kids anymore. Um, planet is more destroyed than ever, and hemp's still not everywhere. <laughs> What's the bottleneck, Eric? What did you find out there? Yeah, well, uh, there's a, a few bottlenecks. The, the main one is the 80 years of prohibition. That did not help. That's a, you know, yeah. There are places in the world where you know, they didn't stop hemp production. Mm -hmm. China, uh, Romania, Poland, uh, this, Russia. Uh, so there's still, it's still happening out there. But if we had been allowed to do this in the 70s, who knows where we'd be now. But, so that's, that's one thing. The other bottleneck is, is um, processing. That's, once you grow the plant, and you chop it and you dry it and you have to do something to it before it becomes a raw material for, for manufacturing. Um, and usually that's a decortication process. So the, the hemp stalks are, you know, long, fibrous with that woody core. They sort of have to be sort of like crushed up and separated. So they're then separated into the fiber and then the, the herd. And there are machines that do that. I've seen them. Uh, I saw the, a company in southern Colorado called Formation Ag, where they build decorticators. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, I saw in an action, they have these big, you know, bales of hemp rolling into this machine. And it, you know, it's, it's, uh, it almost looks like a Rube Goldberg contraption. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Whatever, yeah, but it's like going through and things uh, going over there and this. And it was amazing because on the other side of that, you have this clean fiber coming out that can be used for any number of different things. And on the other side, you've got this herd coming out. It can be used for building materials, for uh, for plastics, for all kinds of stuff. That's amazing. That's great. Well, Eric, we got to take a break here real quick. We'll be right back, everyone. We're with Eric Kerlock, who survived a six-week road trip with his wife and two teenage, tween-age daughters. On the hemp um, tour. On the hemp tour. We'll be right back with uh, finish up on this interview. Thank you. Hold on. Understanding CBD with Max and Stephen on Talk Radio 680 WCBM. To understanding CBD. Hello there, Max Sobel. Hello there, Chevy Chase. <laughs> that was Holiday Road, National Lampoon's Vacation. Lindsay Buckingham, obviously inspired by Eric's epic road trip uh, with his wife and kids uh, for six weeks, learning about hemp and what the status is all around the country. In and, an RV, sharing a bathroom. Right. And I know, Eric, that's no um, <laughs> that song's no smokes at the Wawa. But uh, <laughs> but it's not that bad, right? Um, actually, we, we forgot to mention, Eric and his wife, they do have a band together, right? You want to tell us about the, uh, the band you guys are in? Yeah, sure. Uh, we have a, 
a band. We, we're not quite sure what kind of music we play. We call it indie folk rock, you know, uh, but it's called Tin Bird Choir. Um, we've been playing together maybe for the past 12 years or so. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, you guys should check it out. That's Tin Bird, like Tin Roof Bird. You know, definitely uh, check it out. It's 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 a lot of different stuff. It's very creative. It's all original stuff, right? Uh, yeah, we'll, mostly. We, we play live shows. We'll throw some some covers in, but yeah, we're uh, we're songwriters. We're very talented. Yes, we, uh, awesome. I, I'm a big fan, Eric. So I like that. Thank cool. you very thank much you. for the work you do there. It's uh, it's awesome. Keep at keep at it. Um, anyway, there, there's we have a couple more questions as we wrap this up. Um, sure. There are stories of feral hemp out there, still grown, uh, left over from what was grown back uh, before the prohibition. Uh, were you able to see any on your journey or hear about any stories? Uh, I've heard about it. I did want to try to find some, but by the time we got back to the Midwest, because that's where most of it is. It's like in Nebraska. It's in um, Illinois. It's, it's in Missouri. Um, and there's stories of, you know, it's tall, it's big. And yeah, it's, I have conflicting reports, either it's left over from the hemp for victory program in the early 1940s for the war effort, or it's just left over from when it was part of agriculture back then. Um, I did not see any, um, but I did talk to people in Nebraska who have it growing on their farms. And I talked to a researcher at the university of Nebraska Lincoln, who is conducting like genetic tests, trying to breed the feral hemp from Nebraska with Canadian grain varieties um, so they can create varieties that are, are stable for Nebraska, you know, because these plants that are feral are used to, you know, the light and the soil and the conditions in Nebraska. But then you bring these varieties down from Canada where they've been growing, you know, hemp for grain for 20 years and there's a difference in daylight. So they react differently. So you breed these together and you might get something uh, more stable that the industry can use. But I do hope to see feral hemp someday. They Fascinating. Call it like ditchweed. You know, ditch yeah, ditchweed. Uh, <laughs> yeah. right. But feral, feral in the sense that it's been growing there for generations, I'm trying to understand it, or it's just been growing wild recently. Yeah, you know just, what I mean? It escaped um, you know, production years ago and because yeah, it's so prolific in its seed generation. You know, hemp in general, just lo- it, it wants to thrive. Like the Yeti. It wants us to thrive. Like, yeah. like the, the Sasquatch. Yeti. You know, it's alleged. Big it's, fan. They like to so, <laughs> it produces seeds, they get in the environment, and they just keep going. You know, um, they've tried to eradicate it, but you know how that goes. Sure. Oh, there's a war on, on wild hemp, and it's not going to work. <laughs> right. You know, reference any, you know, government war on anything. Anyway, off mm. topic, back yeah. to feral hemp. Yeah, yeah. Well, so that, that's that's great to hear about that. So I wanted to um, take the little, a few minutes, a minute left or so we have, and maybe you can give our listeners some advice. And we have a different group of listeners, um, you know, some farmers, uh, we have some business and investors, and we also have just regular consumers um, that want to help, want to get involved. They know that this, this revolution's coming. Do you have advice for any of those three groups or all of them? Uh, yeah, if you're a farmer looking to get into hemp, um, contact like your extension agency or um, there's a, a lot of great national associations, the National Hemp Association, for example. Uh, you can become a member there. It's a great network of, of people to learn from. Um, but really it comes down to education. Also start small if you're going to get into growing hemp. Don't put all your chips on hemp at once because this is a slow industry. For investors, yes, please invest in the hemp industry. Uh, we need processing uh, capacity. So yes, please put your money there. For regular consumers, just be aware that we need to grow. We, we need to make our things out of 
plants. We need to capture carbon. We need to, to wean ourselves off of, of oil. And I think we, we need a renewable source of raw materials. And we have that with, is it, does it have to be hemp? No, it has to be agriculture, though, and it, hemp is just a really good good solution there. It's an elegant solution to many of our problems. Very nice, Eric. Thanks. Very well, well said. Go check out Eric and the Lancaster Farming Industrial Hemp Podcast at LancasterFarming.com. Click on the Podcast tab, and you're there, or wherever you get your podcasts, you can check that out. Eric, how do people get in touch with you? You can send an email directly to me. Send it to podcast at LancasterFarming.com. Thank you very much. We're guys, we're back with Doc G's Corner. Stay with us. Thanks, Eric. Great having you Thank on. Thank you, guys. Take Thank care. You, Appreciate it. more of Understanding CBD with Max and Stephen on Talk Radio 680 WCBM. Hello and welcome back into Understanding CBD. Hello there, Max Sobel. Hello there, Stephen Wallace. You know what that music means. And we got we to gotta sound real, real. That's real right. It's time for Doc G's Corner. Dr. Benjamin Gonzalez from Atlantis Medical Wellness Center in Silver Spring, Maryland. Landing back on the show. How are you, Doc G? I'm doing well, you guys. I'm doing well. Good. We, I'm glad you're here today because we have a, a specific question for you today. And I know you've heard about the Delta-8 THC craze um, where people are making THC out of CBD and the loophole and the regulations. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, that's... Uh, that's uh, first of all, thank you guys for having me. And um, that's a good question. That's going to be the subject of my Dr. G's Corner. So I am Dr. Ben Gonzalez, and this is Dr. G's Corner. You know, the legal challenges uh, with CBD have a lot to do with the fact that most people do not know the difference between CBD and marijuana. In fact, surveys and studies have shown that many political leaders and medical providers are unable to describe the legal and health differences. Political and medical confusion has always been a deterrent to progress. Add social media and misinformation to the mix, and you have persistent confusion. And thus, the question that you gave me, what is the difference between all of these different types of analogs? First, three basic facts, just basic facts. One, that hemp and marijuana plant are both the same species, the same plant, cannabis. Two, CBD is one of hundreds of chemicals in the cannabis plant. And three, CBD does not cause psychoactive effects. Those are three basic facts. Cannabis is a complex plant with over 450 chemicals, including over 60 cannabinoid compounds. The most talked about cannabinoid and what causes the psychoactive high effect are the tetrahydrocannabinols, better known as THC. Cannabidiol, or CBD, is another cannabis plant chemical and also and, and almost um, surpasses THC in popular discussion. As I mentioned earlier, CBD does not have the hallucinatory effects of THC. As the popularity arises, so does the confusion. And with the exponential rise of CBD products, the public can get deceived. There are five major natural analogs or types of THC in the cannabis plant, THCA, THCV, THCP, 
Delta-8 THC, and Delta-9 THC, and I'm sure there's more that have yet to be discovered. Delta-9, of course, is the most famous because of its psychoactive and intoxicating properties. Delta-8 is not as well known despite over five decades of knowledge of its existence. Delta-8 THC has a powerful anti-nausea effect, still has some of the hallucinatory effects, but less of the psychoactive side effects of Delta-9 THC. Delta-8 THC is sometimes misrepresented and referred to as marijuana light. Delta-8 is commonly synthesized from other CBD and THC molecules, and it is not regulated and not considered a controlled substance, though that is in current debate in the legal system. Delta-8 THC is used in many poorly regulated over-the-counter products. I was speaking to um, the mom of an autistic child, and she had read that CBD was used to help autistic children. She purchased a CBD product from a local medical marijuana dispensary on the recommendation of the dispensary attendant. I asked her if she had, uh, or if it was a full-spectrum or broad-spectrum CBD, and she was not sure and sent me a photo of the label. The label had the words CBD gummies with no Delta-9 THC in large print, and in the barely readable smaller fine print, it had, uh, down below, had CBD Delta-8 THC. I researched the manufacturing source, and the gummies were pure Delta-8 THC with very few CBD molecules. So it was sold as a CBD product, and it was be being given to an autistic child and with Delta-8 THC. And this was the third mom I spoke to, and a third parent I spoke to and talked to over the last month about this type of issue. Now, to be clear, in general, Delta-8 THC is not inherently dangerous. It is an analog of Delta-9 THC and does have intoxicant properties. However, poorly regulated products and legal confusion contributes to the mistaken identity for the consumers, like parents who are trying to find solutions to their children's issues. Of course, you guys, you know this, there's a lot more to the chemical science, medical and legal aspect of CBD, THC, Delta-9, and Delta-8 compounds, and other analog products. For more information about the medical use of CBD oil and how to distinguish the use of CBD, Delta-8, Delta-9 THC to improve your health, you can contact me directly on Instagram at bengonzalez underscore MD. That's B-E-N-G-O-N-Z-A-L-E-Z underscore MD. You can also call the clinic to set up a telephone consultation with me at 301-622-2722 and say you heard me on this show. So guys, um, there's a lot more to say about this complex subject and I know the listeners appreciate your radio show and your understandingcbd.com website. So for any questions, don't hesitate to ask. That's thanks, right. Doc. We got a lot more information coming for you from you, Doc. So thanks so much. We have a ton of questions. They seem endless, right? Endless. Um, but that's it for the end of the show for everyone today. We appreciate you tuning in. We want to give a strong thank you to Eric Herlock from the Lancaster Hemp Podcast Show and the Lancaster newspaper over there. What a great road trip story. He what had an amazing us, right? road trip. We definitely want to thank Doc G. Thank you, Doc G, for coming back. Uh, we want to thank our sponsors, Max and Stevens Premium Hemp Extracts. Call or text 443-743-2444. Why don't you stop by maxandstevens.com? pick up some oil, pick up this amazing new roll-on product we have. Um, we'd love to see you. And uh, don't hesitate to reach out with us to us with any questions. We're happy to answer them, and we're happy to guide you in the right direction. Finally, sign up for our new subscription program if you want to save 
on products that get conveniently mailed to you so that you don't have to think about it. Thank you all. God bless you. Have a happy Sunday.